Let's pray. God, thanks so much for a chance again to be here this morning, to be reminded uh, that your altar is open to us, that we can come to you and leave things there, that uh, you are our king and we should never seek to push you from your throne. Help us to submit to you, God, and surrender to you uh, for your vision in our lives and for your vision for us as a church. As I talk about that today, God, my prayer is that uh, we would share in the excitement for what we have coming uh, next in, in our church and in our uh, you know, next run of ministry, uh, that we would be reminded, God, of the things that your scripture teaches about just life with you, that uh, we should live life uh, as, a, as a thank you note to you, as a, as a, as a gratitude to you for all that you've given us in your grace, and that we should persist in obeying your voice and uh, keeping your covenant and following you in the things that you give us uh, as we uh, live this life with you and for you. So get me out of the way as always. Speak in my place, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Read with me in Exodus chapter 19. It says there that on the third new moon of the... uh, I can't do two things at once. Here we go. On the third new moon, after the people of Israel had gone out of the land of Egypt, on that day they came into the wilderness of Sinai. Verse 2 says, they set out from Rephidim, and they came into the wilderness of Sinai, and they encamped in the wilderness. And there Israel encamped before the mountain. Now, uh, give you some backdrop here as to where we're dropping in on the Bible. We're in the book of Exodus. Exodus tells us the story of this guy Moses. Heard of him? Uh, Moses is basically tapped by God in chapter 3 of this book to go and to be the liberator of his children, the, ch- the descendants of Abraham who are uh, entirely ensconced and entrapped in slavery in the nation of Egypt. Uh, Moses is kind of slow on the uptake there. He doesn't want to do it, but God convinces him through many uh, signs and wonders uh, that, yeah, you're my man, Mo, and, and we need to do this. So what unfolds then is the story of uh, the, the plagues and the ways that God used uh, Moses to, to convince Egypt and its pharaoh yeah, that you, you need to let the Israelites go. And, uh, and, they, and they leave. I'm, I'm skipping over a bunch of stuff here. But they leave Egypt and they, they basically start heading across uh, to where they are now, to this, this mountain called Mount Sinai. Uh, it's interesting to note that in, in Exodus chapter 3, this is where Moses got the message. This is where the bush burned. Uh, this is where God says, listen, Mo." You're going to see, someday you're going to come back here and you're going to lead all of Israel right to this spot. And it's where they find themselves three months after their exodus from Egypt. Verse 3 says this. It says, uh, while Moses went up on the hill uh, there to meet with God on Mount Sinai, it's the first of his seven trips up and down that hill uh, over the next course of their history, The Lord called to him out of the mountain, and he said this to Moses, thus you shall say to the house of Jacob, and this you shall tell the people of Israel. God's writing Moses a speech. Here's your speech, Mo. We've gotten to this point in our history, this point in this journey, and I need you to make a speech. I need you to say some things to Israel before we move any any further. Now, this speech is going to contain a couple reminders fitting for the the sermon series that we're in. A couple reminders for Israel as they move forward from this point. Uh, I I don't know about you, but as I think about this this word reminder, I I think basically reminders can be slotted into two groups. There's reminders that shape our future. Like who has a reminder app on your phone or a calendar that you work from at your job? Or I mean, you're basically jotting down all the things in those reminders or in those calendars that, that say here's where you need to be on this particular day at this particular time for this particular appointment, don't forget. 
Has anybody got one of those apps or one of those things? Yeah, we, we, we basically run that way in our culture. They're very helpful, especially when you look at them. Has anybody <laughs> been caught on a day where you just, you forgot, if you could just remember to look at your reminders. I need a reminder to look at my reminders. But uh, I've been, a, unfortunately, victim of that too many times, missing things that I wrote down. I, I know many of you, uh, a few weeks ago, I talked to, uh, here on, in our, one of our Sundays about making good choices, and I challenge you to write down, make good choices on your calendar so that every morning you woke up or you wake up to a reminder to make good choices that day. Many of you have done that. And you've, you, I know that because you come up to me like a, a student with his homework and you're like, shove your phone in my face. And you're like, see, I did it right here. Uh, and I'm grateful for that you're doing it. I, I pray that it's having the desired effect and you're making better choices. But that's what one version of reminders does. It shapes our future. But another version or another classification of reminders is that they leverage our past. Reminding is about remembering, and our past is all about our memories. Now, certainly, they're the, they're, they're the reminders of, of things not to do again. Who's, who's got some of those? Anybody got some memories? We're like, not going there again. I was, uh, I was in the trailer. Many of you have asked about the trailer that Eleanor and I have uh, started a project on. It's an old trailer. Um, the, uh, the walls are peeling off now that it's, it's a long story, but there's, there's this thing in Florida called humility, humidity, humility too, but humidity, and uh, and, and this old trailer's walls and the veneer is starting to peel off in some, some parts of it. And so we've decided to gut the thing, which I figured would happen uh, at some stage. And so I'm trying to be very careful. I've done demo jobs where my demo has created more demo. Um, demolition has become destroy. And uh, so I've learned from my past experiences to go slow in some areas. You don't want to just start ripping. Uh, you need to be even careful in demolition. And so... Uh, lesson learned. That's, that's part of what re reminders are, things that uh, we can leverage from our past. Learn from your mistakes. In fact, the only true mistake is the one that you learn nothing from, right? But there's other kinds of reminders from our past, the good kind. I guess they're all good, but this one's the really good kind. Uh, the reminders of, of uh, no, 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 go back for me, brother. Uh, the reminders of uh, all the things that, been, that have been given to you that you didn't deserve. In the world that we live in, especially here in America, we're usually looking forward to what we uh, want to achieve, or, or we're living in the present regretting what we don't have. It's really easy to do that. Look at the glass half empty. Uh, but what God's Word constantly uh, seeks to do for those people in its narrative is to remind them of all of God's graces that have happened in the past, so that they can live in, in reflection of those things, in gratitude of those things, as they move forward in their future. Eleanor and I had a chance while we were in Honduras to uh, celebrate our anniversary. It was last Thursday, 26 years. Yay, we made it. And um, we didn't really do a big thing on our 25th anniversary. In fact, we stayed at a hotel locally and we drove home in the middle of the night because the bed was uncomfortable. How about that? <laughs> celebrate. Anyway, uh, there's a longer story there, but uh, yeah, happy anniversary, honey. 2 a.m., let's go home. So this year we decided, you know, we're over in uh, Honduras, let's, let's spend a few days. Eleanor loves the beach, and so we went to the little island of Roatan since we were close and uh, hung out there for a few days, had a great time, and uh, stayed at this place. Has anybody ever gone online to, like, you know, pick a spot for a vacation or whatever and, and book it, and, and you really don't have any idea where you're going, and then you get there and you're like, wow, this was not what we thought. Has anybody been there? It was a beautiful uh, resort, a beautiful place, but it was... Remote, remote. Like I'm talking the road ended, and then the road that extended from where the road ended, that road ended, right? And then you kind of, you know, weave your way up this mud hill uh, to this beautiful little, you know, cutout. 
uh, where we camped. We basically stayed in some cabins, had some electricity, uh, but nothing else really. Read lots of books, had lots of conversations. And during our time there, uh, we got to just talk about, isn't this crazy? 26 years ago, we were, you know, two kids coming out of college. Uh, and look at what God has done. He's given us our marriage, not without its problems. There's no such thing as a marriage without problems, if you're wondering about that. But a marriage that God has blessed us to have for these 26 years. It's just gotten better. We have three kids. They're not perfect, but we're blessed. We have a church that we love. We live in a place uh, where God is so good to us. Could have never scripted it this way. Never, ever, ever thought I'd live near Tampa, Florida. That was, wow. But here we are. You ever those moments? I hope you do. Those moments where you pull back and you just kind of get to see the scene and you get to say, wow. I mean, yeah, everything's not perfect, but wow, I didn't deserve any of this. That's what uh, our weekend last weekend afforded us. And so it's interesting as we move on in this text that God, uh, through Moses, is going to remind Israel, hey, Israel, a couple of reminders. I want you to remember, first of all, what God has done for you. These are keys for us in living our life with Christ. We're going to see that from the New Testament. God wants us to live life constantly reminded of what he's done for us. It will inspire us in the things that he's calling us to next. God tells Moses, these are the things I want you to tell Israel. God tells Moses, make sure you're clear with them. Remind them of the covenant that we have. Remind them of the plan that I have for their lives. Remember God's plans for life. That's the second thing. To remember what God's plan is for our life. These are the things that Moses is instructed to share with Israel. These are the things that I as your pastor and I as a fellow follower of Jesus Christ need to be reminded in my daily life to do. Because living for him is going to be better and more effective as I remember these two things. Let's talk about these from the text. First, let's remember what God has done for us. Uh, it says here in the text that Moses was instructed by God to say, you yourselves have seen what I, God, did to the Egyptians and how I bore you on the eagle's wings and brought you to myself. You, you guys, you've lived the last three months. You've seen the evidence of my grace and grandeur. You've seen the ways. The eagle, almost always in scripture, is this picture of God's deliverance. He's the rescue bird. If you saw the Lord of the Rings movies, the eagle, eagles always show up at the end. And when everything is at its worst, the eagles come in and they save the day. The, uh, Tolkien took that from the Bible. He says, you, you've seen how I bore you on eagles' wings. I lifted you out of your slavery, out of uh, all of the impossible situations. I mean, you just got to go back like four or five chapters of the book of Exodus and you can just detail them one by one. Exodus 14, Israel comes to the Red Sea. God parts it. They walk across on dry land, and the Bible says that the sea collapsed on the armies of Israel, and they weren't a problem ever again. Or the armies of Egypt, sorry. See, i got to go slow. In the next chapter, Moses sings a song praising God for that, but in the very next chapter, in chapter 16, they're hungry. They went camping without packing a, a cooler. And so they need to eat. And so God drops bread from heaven, manna. He sends them quail. It's the first Chick-fil-A ever, right there. And they eat quail and they eat bread that God provides. In the next chapter, they're thirsty. Uh, they're in the desert. You ever been to the Middle East? Not a lot of, well, you know, 
oases or wells to draw from. So they're going to die from thirst, and Moses says, all right, watch this. I'm going to take this rod, I'm going to tap this rock, and we're going to drink until we can't drink no more. God provides over and over and over again. He says, listen, Israelites, remember what I did. You saw what I did, how I rescued you, and I, I brought you to myself. The New Testament authors and writers pick up the same theme in our relationship with Jesus Christ. In Romans, Paul says this. He says, for while we were still weak, at the right time, Christ died for the ungodly. This is our gospel. We didn't deserve it, but Christ did it. For one will scarcely die for a a righteous person, though perhaps for a good person one would dare even to die. But God shows his love for us in that while we were the worst, while we were still sinners, rebellious, unrighteous, Christ died for us. That's our grace history. Jesus was our eagle who plucked us from our slavery to our sin. He rescued us. And you and I get to wake up every day, if we choose to, to the joy of our salvation. Remember David wrote about that in Psalm 51? Restore unto me the joy of my salvation. Sometimes the joy of our salvation gets lost in the wreckage of our life, in the hard things that we face, in the headlines uh, that come you know, across our, our tablets and our screens. We can just kind of lose perspective on all that we've been given, but we have been given so much by our Savior. I have a new reminder for you to put in your phones if you would be willing to do it. Right underneath, make good choices. Write this down if you would do it and start every day with this reminder. Rejoice, I've been redeemed. Rejoice, I've been redeemed. I've been redeemed by the blood of the Lamb, the old camp song goes. Jesus has saved me. Nehemiah said in Nehemiah chapter eight as he was speaking to the Israelites upon the completion of the wall there, he says, listen man, Go, celebrate, eat and drink, be merry, and remember that the joy of the Lord is your strength. What an interesting turn of phrase. That your joy, the joy that you have in the deliverance of God, the joy that you have in the provision of God is your strength to face whatever comes in your future. Oh, that we would wake up every day and remember what God has done for us. I think the Christ life would be not necessarily simpler. It's always going to be tough. Anybody living in the world that I'm living in? Okay. But I think we could be more uh, effective in living it, more consistent in living it, if we lived mindful of what God has done for us. The second thing that Moses is going to be told by God to share with the Israelites that day is this whole understanding of remembering God's plan for life. He goes from that reminder of God's deliverance and God's uh, you know, uh, grace to them to, to talking about what comes next. Here's the things you put on your calendar. Here's the things that you wake up to every day. Remember God's plan for your life. Look what it says in Exodus chapter 19. Now therefore, if you will indeed obey my voice and keep my covenant, you shall be my treasured possession among all peoples, for all the earth is mine. And you shall be to me, verse six, a kingdom of priests and a holy nation. These are the words that you shall speak to the people of Israel. Short speech. Anybody want to come to that church? (laughs) Some of you are like, yeah. If you could work it down to like three verses, Mark, that'd be great. Then we could all go home. It's a short speech. 
but it's packed. He starts out and says, don't forget, remember my grace and deliverance. And then he says, don't forget my plan, my hope for you as you walk into your future. What's God's plan for life? It's outlined here in this speech that Moses gives the Israelites. The first thing is for them and for us in this day and age to obey his voice. It says there in chapter 19, verse five, now therefore, if you will indeed obey my voice. There's a a voice of God. I don't know if you've heard it. I, I trust you have if you've been following for any amount of time, but God wants to lead us in life. He wants to lead us specifically in the life that I'm living. Every one of us is different. Every one of us has a different call, a different family, a different uh, you know, experience and journey, but God wants to be at the front of all of our lives, leading us by his voice. His specific will is revealed to us as we pray and ask him for wisdom and guidance as he speaks through those who are our, our confidants and our, our mentors and our counselors as they uh, help us shape his direction for us. We, we hear his voice through all of these agents and we seek to follow him. That's God's plan for our life. Follow his voice, know his voice, be able to discern it from the others that are calling our names and head in his direction every time. Our neighbors just got a, a, a dog uh, recently. They rescued it from the pound. Uh, they call it Bomber because they uh, got this dog from Crate B-52 at the pound. Isn't that a great name? I, I thought that was a great name. Bomber's a black lab, at least partly, and, and uh, he is a jumper. He can jump any fence in front of him. You give him enough runway, he's going over it. And so he goes over the fence between our property and our neighbor's property and uh, comes across, and one of my neighbors, Zach, has chickens, and he loves to look at the chickens and run at our ducks and all these things. And so uh, there's been a couple trips by our neighbors into our uh, you know, property to retrieve Bomber. And uh, on the particular night that they came over this past week, I, I got to meet Bomber for the first time. Bomber's a, a, a pound dog. He's, he's still pretty skittish. I don't know where he came from and what his history is, but he's, he's not super uh, uh, congenial. Uh, he's not nasty. He doesn't bite, but he will cower. He's on his lead, and I start walking up to this dog, and, and he just starts backing up on his leash, and uh, it takes the voice of his new owner uh, to just calm him down so that I can bend down and you know, hopefully not get bit and just say, hi, Bomber, we're going to be friends. You're going to be jumping that fence a lot. Let's be friends. And, uh, <laughs> but it's uncanny, even in uh, the early days of dog ownership, how a dog figures out who the alpha is, right? Uh, and our neighbor, uh, John, he's the alpha. And so whatever this dog's doing, um, when John speaks, it acts different. It just knows. He's calm. Uh, He's in the beginnings of obedience. I trust, knowing John, that that will be full obedience very soon. Uh, But he gets it, and he's able to to discern. uh, He's able to, to just sense the calm of his master's voice, and he follows him wherever he goes. Uh, That's our call. That's our mission in this life that we have with Christ. May you and I uh, be timid of any other voice, suspicious of the things that the world would bring to us. May we be able to uh, see God answer the prayers to lead us not into temptation to deliver us from evil on a consistent daily basis. And then in that, may we replace those temptations and those voices with his voice and his voice alone and follow him into his preferred future for our lives. We need to obey his voice. We need to keep his word. Look what it says at the second part there of Exodus 19, verse five. It says, now therefore, if you will indeed obey my voice and keep my covenant, uh, then I will make you a treasure. 
The second part of it is to keep my covenant. This is Exodus 19. Does anybody know what happens in Exodus 20? For the sake of time, I'll tell you. Moses goes back up the hill. You know what he gets? There's 10 of them. The 10 commandments. And those 10 commandments are gonna basically form the covenant. The, the, the plan, the outline for how God wants to live our lives. It, it, it's gonna be built on from there and there's gonna be several that come from it. But essentially, the keys for life are gonna be found on those tablets that Moses brings back down. God says, hey man, I want you to obey my voice, my specific voice for your life. I want you to be able to hear me and follow me. But then there's these general uh, purposes that I have for all of mankind that I want you to know and follow. And hopefully that's why we're gathering here on Sunday mornings. Hopefully that's why you open your Bibles on a daily basis and try to understand what God's writing in there. Hopefully it's why you're in life groups or in discipleship relationships. We're trying to figure out the covenant. We're trying to figure out God's word so that we can know the general things that he has for all of us to accomplish and follow him in them as well. I was at the airport in uh, Honduras and uh, flying back. And gratefully they have uh, English uh, and uh, Spanish on all of their signage so that if uh, you need to get to your flights you can read in your language and get there. But airports kind of run by written word. Has everybody noticed that? Sometimes there's announcements, but no one's really listening to those because they, they, you know, the terminals are so loud. Uh, you gotta know how to read those screens. My flight departs from this gate at this time, and if I wanna be on it, I've gotta be there. You gotta obey, it's not, it's not like you could say, you know what, my flight's to Atlanta, I know it's going out of gate six, but I'm gonna sit at gate nine. And I'm gonna just go into gate nine and I'm gonna go on that plane. We're, we're hopefully gonna end up eventually in Atlanta. But that's, that's my preference. That's how a lot of Christians live their lives. Either ignorant of, of the gates that they're supposed to be going to or rebellious and unwilling to follow what God has prescribed for their journey. Oh, and may we be a church that knows God's word. May you be a Christian if you are a Christian. If you're not yet, these are the great things that await you. The joy of your salvation awaits you. The joy of living life the way God has it planned awaits you. But if you are already following Jesus, that is the mission. Hear his voice. Obey his word. Around here we call this obeying and keeping surrender. We sur exist to surrender to God, to submit to him as he leads us in life. What happens when we stick to God's plan? Well, the Bible tells us that we're treasured by God. It says there in the second part of Exodus chapter 19, verse five, you shall be my, this is where I got it, treasured possession among all peoples for all the earth is mine. He gives a qualifier there at the end. He says, just so you know, it's not like I don't have a lot of treasures. Everything that exists, mine. All the peoples, all the earth, all the universe, I made it, it's mine. But you know what? If you obey my voice, if you keep my covenants, then you become the greatest treasure of all my treasures because it's all mine. You'll glorify me. He's basically saying, listen, you'll do what you were made to do, what you were purposed to do in my creation of you. You will bring the most glory to me when you obey my voice and keep my covenant. You'll have, not, on, not only that, you'll, you'll have the greatest life that you can have. I will bless you with the greatest life you can have, a life that is built around your obedience to me and your uh, submission to me. It will be the best life you could possibly have as I make you my treasured possessions. What happens when we stick to God's plan? We're treasured by God. But the, the, the thing I want to finish as we uh, kind of transition this sermon is on this idea because uh, when we stick to God's plan, God uses us as tools and as a template 
Look what it says here in verse 6. He says, you shall be to me a kingdom of priests and a holy nation. These are the words, God says, that you shall speak to the people of Israel. And I trust that's what Moses said. But he says, listen, if you obey my voice, if you keep my covenant, you're going to be this kingdom of priests. If you can go back to that verse for me. Um, you're going to be a kingdom of priests. You're going to be a holy nation. When you think kingdom, what do you think of? It starts with oil, or R sounds like royalty. Good, someone got it, royalty. Who said royalty? Very good. That didn't fall out of my mouth like I wanted it to. Yeah, royalty. We are, uh, as, the, as the New Testament scriptures tells us, joint heirs with Jesus. We are princes and princesses in the kingdom of God. How great is that? We went from the outhouse to the penthouse. We went from being lost in our sin to being saved. And not just saved to, you know, kind of, uh, you know, coach. We were saved to first class. We were given all of his grace. And, and, and even here in the Old Testament, God says, listen, Israel, as you follow me, as you, as you keep my commandments, I'm going I'm to make you a, a kingdom. You're going to be a part of my kingdom here on earth. And, 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 and he goes on, he says, you're going to be priests. When you think of priests, what do you think of? Someone said last night, collar. Uh, that's interesting. Collar? It's like a Catholic thing. Anyway, uh, but when you think priests in the Old Testament, you know, what, what was the function of the priest? What, did the, what was the priest's role in the, in the Jewish religion? He, he would read the scriptures. He would hold the scrolls. He would do the sacrifices. But if you take all of the things that he did, he basically acted as the go-between, between Israel and God. He was the intermediary. Now, if you wanted to talk to God in the Old Testament religion of the Jews, you went to the priest. And so immediately the Jews here, even in their limited understanding, they had been following the Jews' religion for generations in their slavery in Egypt. That hadn't been a big uh, uh, you know, uh, uh, priority for them. But even they would know that when Moses says, you're going to be a kingdom of priests, you're going to be my go-between between me and the rest of the world. You're going to be the ones who share my good news. And it's basically in the fulfillment of what uh, their forefather Abraham had been promised by God in Genesis chapter 12. Hey, I'm going to make you a mighty nation. You're going to have more descendants than the sands of the shore, and, and you're going to be my blessing to the rest of the world. We understand in the totality of Scripture that that blessing comes chiefly in the form of our Savior, Jesus Christ. But as we read the whole of Scripture, we understand that those who follow Christ, we have been given this uh, kingly priesthood, this kingdom priesthood as the go-betweens between God and the world around us. It says that we're supposed to be a holy nation. What's that mean? Holy means set apart. Holy means that we are, are basically different from everything else that's on the, on the earth. And, and, and being different, we are meant to be a template. We're meant to be this picture of of what life with God is, is meant to look like. Not perfectly, anybody here nailing it every day perfectly, anybody? No, but people should be able to notice in us, at least at some times or in some situations, a difference. Because Christ is at the lead, because Christ is shaping how we live. We get to be tools, agents of God's grace, agents of his message of love, and we get to be a template of how life should look. What a great gift, what a great blessing for those who obey his voice and keep his covenants. You're like, but Mark, that's the Old Testament. That was the Jews. That was only for them. Well, you haven't read the New Testament. It says right here in 1 Peter chapter 2. See if you recognize these words. But you are a chosen race, 
a royal priesthood, a holy nation. Is someone copying? Yeah, Peter's just lifting this right out of what Moses' speech was. And he's saying it to Christians. The first century church was told that you're a chosen race. God chose you. He picked you with a purpose. He, he chose to make you a royal priesthood, a holy nation. And he goes on to explain. He says, a people for his own possession that you may, here it is, proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness and into his marvelous light. That's the mission. And that's why we say around here that we exist to surrender to God. That's our first step. Everybody in here, your job first, your mission first is to follow Jesus, surrender all to him. But it doesn't stop there. I think I spent a majority of my young Christian life thinking that was it. As long as I got Jesus, we're good. But it's not supposed to stop there. We're supposed to do the cheer. I've got Jesus, yes I do. And then go out and say, I've got Jesus, how about you? That's the mission. Get him, share him. We used to say around here in the early days of my time, be one, be a follower of Jesus Christ, and by God's grace, go make one. Be one, make one, be one, make one, be one, wake one every day. Be one, make one, be one, make one, be one. That's the mission. Some of you have been here for all 24 years of the existence of Bay Life, and that has always been the mission. We've called it different things in different ways under different leaders, but that will always be the mission for the followers of Jesus Christ, to follow him wholeheartedly, to obey his voice, to keep his covenants, and to be used by him to make much of him to a world that desperately needs him. Amen. That's it. So, my hope for us as a church is that we will always be looking back and seeing what God's done for us and live an appreciation of his grace to us personally and his grace to us as a church. My, my hope for us as a church is that we'll always be moving forward into whatever's next. That when you and I are long gone and pushing up daisies, there will be people sitting in this place worshiping God, professing faith in him and sharing the good news of him to a world that desperately needs him. That's why we're here. And to that, I want to talk to you about some things that are coming up here at our church. Can I do that just briefly? Doesn't matter if you want me to, it's happening. <laughs> what has God done for us as a church? What, what, let's just talk about this message in terms of us as a church. What has God done for us as a church? Lots. We launched at an Easter of 1994. And uh, 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 there's many of you sitting in these pews that were there for that day uh, when we started up at this first campus on Colony Hill uh, up there in, in, the, in the Mango region off of 579. That was the first church building of Bay Life Church. And uh, uh, they outgrew that quickly, bought this land, and uh, in 1998, Easter 1998, uh, they had their first services. We had our first services in the building next door. Uh, it was just this big uh, orange grove, and they knocked all the trees down, and, and uh, up went the church. And uh, uh, then in uh, 2003, as the church continued to grow, if you'll go back to that picture for me, in 2003, uh, we built this uh, campus, or this building that we're sitting in. And uh, by the grace of God, we've been able to worship here for these past 15 years almost. And uh, uh, God's just done amazing things in that time. I'm, for the sake of time, I'm not going to, you know, bullet bull point all of them. But uh, our most recent one I think we could celebrate is the chapel. Uh, and God giving us the chapel and us being able to uh, see God's work continue in a place like that. We'll talk more about that in a second. Um, in 2004, uh, we were about $4.5 million in debt just to talk about our financial blessings. Uh, in 2013, 
Uh, we, get, we were down to about $3.5 million in debt, and then the elders uh, decided, you know, let's not be in debt anymore. I think that's holding us back too much in the things that God would want us to do. So if you were here, you know about Rise Up. And so we rose up, and in two years, two and a half years roughly, in 2015, at the end of 2015, we were out of debt. Uh, it was a great day for us as a church. And we celebrate it, and it's fitting. Listen, let's never get tired of celebrating that fact. That was a huge win for God and for us as a church. We tore up our mortgage, uh, and since then we've been able to do so many great things uh, as an out-of-debt church. We've been able to paint our buildings and do lots of uh, uh, updates uh, here around our campus. Our student center foyer got updated. We did some landscaping. Uh, we renovated the chapel. That was a huge blessing to be able to move forward in a vision that we didn't even know God was going to give us, but we were financially able to do so because uh, we had the money in hand. We also increased uh, uh, by about $400,000 over the last couple of years uh, our local global ministry budgets, kind of spreading the money that we were saving from our mortgage around doing things uh, more efficiently and effectively uh, here at our church. And so uh, God just blessed us. But uh, I think it's time. I know it's time, as I pray, for us to move on to some other things, some other things that God would have for us, and I want to share those with you with the time that we have left. Uh, I want to talk to you about the what as in what's next. I want to talk to you about the when as to, in the when we're going to do it. I want to talk to you about how uh, the next things are going to be accomplished and finish off with talking to you about why. Uh, let's start with the what. What are we going to do? Now we're going to go forward. We're going to go forward uh, as a church in a new campaign, a campaign to basically improve our current facilities, uh, to expand what we have as far as uh, space to do ministry in, uh, to partner with community partners and see them be able to move forward in their initiatives to make a difference in our community. Uh, to be able to uh, expand our, our vision of, of revitalizing churches. We're going to go forward in all these ways and in others uh, as we move forward over the next three years together. Um, we're calling it Go Forward. If you like the logo, catchy, right? Uh, uh, but it's basically five things, and I want to share those with you. Uh, the first thing we're going to do is we're going to partner with a community partner called Women's Resource Center. Uh, Women's Resource Center has been here on our campus uh, for a long time now, and uh, they have served uh, jointly with us out of our buildings and, and to our community. Uh, they are going to uh, have the blessing of, of uh, finally building their own facility on our property. It was years ago that we uh, seeded them or gave them the six acres that are up in the corner. If you've ever run the 5K, it's in that horrible part way back there. It's kind of heartbreak hill. Uh, but uh, they're going to be up in that corner, and uh, we're going to partner with them in this building. I've invited their director, Cheryl Hickman, to come and join us. Would you give it up for Cheryl this morning? Hi, Cheryl. How's it going? Good. Everybody, this is Cheryl. Cheryl's been the Women's Resource Center director and founder for how long? Um, since 2003. Okay, so you're going to tell us a story just briefly sure. as, as to what the Women's Resource Center is and how it got to be. Yeah, go sure. Ahead. In 2003, God did amazing things in my life. Um, I surrendered to Christ at that point. He took all those not-so-good choices and did something amazing. We created an organization well, we help families that are broken and lost um, know the love of Christ, get the resources to get back on their feet, and then live in the purpose and plan that God created them to be. That's awesome. So uh, for the last, uh, what, 14 years then almost, 15, um, we've been serving families and, and just uh, partnering together here on our property to make a difference in this way. So you're going to build a building. Build a building. What's, what, tell me about this building. What's going to happen? An amazing building. Um, right now we serve in about 1,500 square feet. We're going to move to 10,000 square feet 
Um, right now we can see about 100 families a month. When we move in the new, fam the new building, we'll serve probably close to 400 families a month. And so we are thrilled to be able to serve that many families. Pretty great stuff. Um, let me just briefly explain. If I go to the slides here, there's basically going to, this, this is our current uh, facilities. And then up here, up in the corner of our property, they're going to put this 10,000 square foot building. And the reason that we're partnering with you guys is because we're going to actually move our counseling center and it's going to be in conjunction with the Women's Resource Center building so that we can continue to, you know, have synergy there and you guys can use us and we can use you and bless people. Uh, but we're going to share some space and then you're going to have the, uh, the additional space. We're going to have 2,000 square feet. You guys are going to have 8,000 square yes. feet. So, yes. but, the, but, the, but the bottom line is 400 families a month potentially could be reached through the ministries of Women's Resource Center. Isn't that great? Yes, Some we're so thrilled. Stuff. Thank yep. you so much. All right, give it up for Cheryl. God bless you. So that's the first thing. We're going to have five. Everybody give me, some, give me some fingers. Give me five fingers. We're going to have five. That's the first thing. The second thing is that we're going to build a building. Maybe you saw uh, on some of the, uh, or on that previous slide that we're going to build our own building. So two buildings. Uh, one, this one's going to be a 15,000 square foot educational space for uh, high school, middle school, high school, college, and adults. Uh, so if I can just move through some of these slides. Uh, it's going to be situated right here uh, at the back of our uh, patio area. It's going to be plopped down right there. Uh, I'm going to mention this later, but we're going to keep our other portables. We're going to continue to add space rather than knock space down and replace space. Um, but it's going to sit right there. Here's, here's kind of a rendering, a, a, an early rendering. We're, uh, you know, just working with our architect. But this is kind of what it's going to look like. You're going to notice it's, it's, uh, it looks like a metal building because it's a metal building. Uh, we're, we're trying to build efficiently. We're trying to build uh, uh, as good stewards of God's money. Just so you know, if you're new here, we're never going to be super, super fancy. We're never going to, you know, try to, um, uh, you know, dazzle you with our edifice. Uh, we are going to just try to uh, be as efficient and as uh, frugal as we can. Uh, nice, but not too nice. Are you with me? Uh, so, so this is the, what the building would look like. Here's, here's kind of a footprint. These are hard to kind of see on slides, but it's, it's basically a large meeting space. We'll have classroom space. We can kind of go through those guys. It'll be great. Classroom space here in the back so we can do life groups on Sunday mornings. We could do more life groups on campus on Wednesday nights and other nights of the week. Uh, potentially, uh, maybe not Wednesday nights because the youth will be in there. But then there's a lobby space, which would be a great meeting space or, or reception space for weddings. And if we have funerals in this building, we can have that there. And then there will also be uh, about a 200 seat auditorium for our students, college, and adults to uh, have a space uh, to be meeting in this building, okay? Um, that will mean that uh, our, our children's building will be children. It'll, it'll just be solely dedicated to our kids, and uh, we can make it more secure for the families of those with young children there. All right, for the sake of time, we're going to keep going. The third thing, everybody, yeah, if you want to, hold up the three. We're going to refurbish and repurpose the rest of our campus. In this project, we're gonna allocate funds uh, to do some other improvements, uh, things like uh, uh, making some improvements to our, our, our foyer here in Building A. Uh, we're gonna repurpose the portables, perhaps some for storage, some for offices, just other things that we've uh, kinda, as we've crammed people into spaces around here, we can expand and extend to those uh, 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 portables that we have. We're gonna hopefully cover the patio. Uh, which, oh, oh, some of you like that. We're going to hopefully cover the patio and make it, you know, not the white death that you walk out of on a summer day when you're like, oh, it's so bright. Um, uh, we'll have some shade there. It'll be a useful space for the, the, the 10 months a year. That'll be a nice day here in Florida. Uh, and, and we'll just, we'll make the, the, that covered space a, a more usable space. I'm excited for all of those things, but some funds will be allocated 
uh, in those directions as we refurbish and repurpose our campus. Uh, our hope is to have money in a, on, on the side or in, in a part of this campaign uh, to be prepared to revitalize more campuses. We want to plant additional chapels in our region as we think about extending our reach and being uh, good stewards of, of whose God is training around here. We want to uh, just partner with churches that perhaps are on their, the, the, the backside of their existence and, the, uh, and, they're, and they're sliding into home. Like we've done with uh, the First Baptist Church of Mango, we want to go in, uh, unite with them, breathe life into what they're doing in their area, and, and see those churches revitalized uh, and, and have a ministry extended in that way. Uh, so I'm praying for uh, four churches in our region over the next five years to come to us. We actually had one come to us this week. I haven't even told the elders this because it was like Friday that I heard the news. Uh, so probably should have, sorry guys. But uh, uh, I don't know if it's what we're gonna do, but, but, but my point is, is there's opportunities. There's churches all the time where we're saying, hey, we wanna continue to uh, you know, make a difference for the kingdom. Uh, can you help us? And so we're prayerful that we'll have the opportunity to do that. And then we'll finally invest additional funds um, in, into local and global opportunities. Uh, the chapel's a great, for instance, of this. We had no idea that it was gonna come on our radar uh, as, as an opportunity for us to make a difference for the kingdom, but it did. And we had the funds ready because we were out of debt and people had continued to give to Rise Up. We could just go in and start doing the things that God was calling us to do there. We wanna have that same kind of flexibility in other opportunities that we don't even know what they are yet but we just want to be available for what God wants to do locally, globally, and in increasing uh, his, his uh, bringing his name to the people who need him most. All right, uh, just bear with me for a few more seconds. When, uh, when are we going to do this? Uh, a saga. I made up a word. A saga, as soon as God allows. Um, <laughs> we're going to be purposeful and preparing for it. So you'll notice as we go on in the next few months some can't-miss opportunities, can't-miss events, we're calling them in February and March. The first one is actually in two weeks. We're going to have a picnic. Bonanza is coming. Uh, and so we want you and everybody associated with Baylife uh, to be a part of this. You'll be getting phone calls, inviting you to this. If you already know you're available and you can come, uh, would you please sign up for Bonanza even today? Go to uh, baylife.org uh, slash barbecue or BBQ uh, so that we can uh, make sure that we have food available for you. It's going to be a great day. We're going to have some, uh, some great fun together in here as a church, uh, and we'll talk more about this opportunity uh, moving forward from that. But that, there'll be things like that. We'll talk about that. In April, following Easter, uh, we will uh, move into a, a month-long series preparing us to go forward. Uh, we'll have a commitment service uh, at the end of April on the 29th, and we'll take our first offering in this campaign then. How are we going to do this? Uh, we're going to, first of all, rely on the grace of God. Can we all agree that that's the first thing? But most of you are wondering how much. Here it is. Uh, the three-year campaign, we're, we're looking, by God's grace, to raise $2 million, which, as we estimate, will basically pay for all of our parts of both buildings, uh, do the renovations, and still give us money on the side for those other things that we're hoping to do. $2 million uh, out the door. I feel like I'm buying a car. All right. Uh, uh, prayerfully, though, we'd love to get more. We'd love to be in a position... Uh, to have as much money as God would allow so that we can do as much as God wants us to do. Um, I, just so you know, I, I, I don't want us to say at any point in any of our lives that, that this is going to be easy. It won't. But I am buoyed by our experience with Rise Up. We raised $3.5 million in two and a half years. I think $2 million in three years. God's got that. Amen? All right. Uh, why are we doing this? Why would we do something like this? Well, when we talked to you at, 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 as we were doing Rise Up, we wanted to be uh, ready to be able to do these kinds of things. We wanted to be ready for what God's vision was for us as a church, 
And we sense as a leadership that this is what God has next for us. Now, just so you know, if you've been around here for any amount of time, we've, we've made do and done incredibly well as a church with the facilities that we have. We meet in sheds and in old portables that probably uh, you know, are way past their due. Uh, we want to continue to use those things and, and leverage whatever God gives us, uh, but we want to have facilities uh, that will enable us to expand our reach, to expand our discipleship ministries, and bless people here in our community as a church for years to come. We want to touch the future. That was the old name of our giving uh, campaigns. We want to be able to touch the future so that generations of lifers after us will worship God in this place. So what now? Uh, well, we want to pray for God's direction. We're going to close in some prayer. And then we want to, as we move forward, be uh, willing to just hear the voice of God and commit to being a part of this process as God leads us. Uh, those are the things that lie ahead of us. God has done so much for us. God has so much in store for us. Let's be in step with him all the way. We're going to pass these, uh, these things out. Uh, these things that I've been sharing with you are in a very slick, beautiful brochure. And so our ushers are going to pass those out now. And I'm going to finish the sermon uh, or the service just answering some questions that I anticipate you might have. Can I do that while we're handling you paper? Can you multitask? Here we go. The ushers are going to quickly hand those out because I'm going to try to quickly go through these questions. Here we go. Will we be taking on any debt? Who wants to answer this one for me? No. <laughs> we, uh, we anticipate raising the money and, and paying for these things as we go. Okay. Uh, so that, that's the first question a lot of people had, and that's the answer. Are we transferring Rise Up funds to the Go Forward campaign? Absolutely. If you've been given to Rise Up, which many, thank you so much for those of you who have, many have continued to give to Rise Up even as we finish paying off our debt. Eleanor and I were a part of that. Uh, and so our ability to be able to act uh, with the chapel was in great part due to people who are continuing to give to those Rise Up funds. Those will just transfer over to Go Forward and uh, we'll go from there. In the interim, as buildings are being constructed, where will ministries meet? Well, if you saw the footprint there, uh, we're gonna still have our portables, and so the great thing about this project, it's not gonna interrupt any of our ministries as they now exist. We'll just build the buildings, continue to meet where we meet, and then when the building's available, we'll expand in kind. Uh, so what happens to the portables? I just told you. Uh, what will our contribution be to the new Women's Resource Center? Some people were asking this. Let me try to make this as clear as I can. We're giving about 40% of the funds uh, towards the construction of that building. We're going to have about 20% of the building for ourselves, but we wanted to bless the Women's Resource Center uh, with that additional funding so that they could get things going and uh, better be able to fund their project there. Uh, when it comes to owning uh, the Women's Resource Center, uh, here's how it's going to work. Because they're on our property, the deed has to be in our name, okay? Insurance-wise, administratively-wise, it has to be ours. But uh, here's the deal we've, we've brokered with them. If we ever cease to exist, God forbid, I pray that we're here forever. But if we ever cease to exist or move as a church, they'll keep their building. It's in the deed. If they ever cease to exist as, a, as an organization or if they move, we keep the building. They can't take it with them. That's not how it works, okay? So we're basically going to have that symbiotic relationship, that understanding. It'll be all locked down by the lawyers and stuff like that. But if you want to you know, boil it down to who owns what, technically we'll own the building uh, but that's our agreement. What are the priorities of the campaign? They go just like I listed them, those five things. The first thing we want to do is the Women's Resource Center. The second thing we want to do is raise money towards a, a third building here on our property. And then those renovations, uh, revitalizing other campuses. Um, we'll see what God does with those things. But our first two priorities are those buildings. And the first one is the Women's Resource Building. The final question is, do we really need this much additional space? Let me share with you some vision. Look around for a second. 
You see any empty chairs? There's a couple, right? Okay, we set up the chairs because our prayer is, our hope is, is that this church will fulfill its mission in sharing the good news of Jesus Christ and we won't have any place to put them when we see God work through us and reach people in our community for Christ. All right, if, uh, it, it's, it's easier as a pastor, it's easier for us as parishioners to kind of get um, satisfied, complacent. Uh, here's my hope, that this project, as we continue to uh, you know, develop and, and, and expand space around here, it'll put in our hearts and our minds that we need to be God's agents. We are a kingdom of priests, a holy nation that is given by God a mission to go out and make much of him to a world that desperately needs him. I pray that as we build these things, they're full by the time they're built. I pray that as we continue to persist together as a church, that we'll fill this room over and over again to the glory of God so that more people are knowing and following him. So that's my first answer. My second answer is we've needed these buildings since I got here. We've been meeting in portables and in uh, you know, uh, sheds, and, and those things have done a great job for us. Uh, but if, if you know anything about this building, especially next door, it is maxed out. There's a children's uh, or a, a daycare that meets all during the week. There's kids ministry and student ministry. If you come up here on a Wednesday, Katie, bar the door. It is crazy out there, right? There's just people everywhere. And so we've needed space uh, since I got here, and we're finally going to, by the grace of God, have the space that we've always needed. But I pray it inspires us to see more people come and follow Christ here at Bay Life Church. You've been so gracious to listen to me for this long. Can we close in prayer? Let's close in prayer. I want you to pray with me this morning. I'll pray, I'll say the words, but I want you to pray with me. I want you to pray two things. I'll pray them too, that, that God would keep us on his path, that we'd hear his voice, we obey his voice, and we would be lockstep with him in the things that he has for us at church. And then I want you to pray for all of us that God would lead us as families, as members of our church, as, as, as attenders of our church to understand from him what his purposes for us are in this next phase of our life together. Let's pray. Hey God, we are grateful for all that you've done for us. Uh, it, it couldn't be encased in one sermon or 10 sermons, a uh, hundred sermons. There's just so many things, God, that we could just list over and over again. Lives changed as a result of your ministry through us as a church over our 24 years. We're grateful. Uh, we are hopeful for our future, God. We want to move into it together, into the things that you've given us. Um, so Lord, lead us. Keep us from straying. Uh, help us to hear your voice and follow you in everything that you lead us to do. And then Lord, inspire us and, and, um, and lead us personally to the things that you want us to do as a part of this. Um, help us to catch the vision, uh, to understand your purposes for us as a church and to unite together around making them a reality. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Excited, you guys. God bless you. Have a great week. We'll see you next time.